Hey, aloha, everybody. This is Jeff Reinbold, and this is Coffee with Coach, our 78th edition. And we, you know, I'm reminded of the movie Jaws, and the promo for the, you know, for the Jaws 2 was just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. And then they had the theme of Jaws 2. And that's a lot like this show. Just when you thought we couldn't pack our hour with more guests and more great talk, we're going to do it today. And, uh, Michael, come on out here, my man. Hit the wrong button. It's been one of those weeks, Jeff. How are you? <laughs> hey, is there a chance that we can at least get through the intro of this without a technical difficulty? There's is no. there a chance? Tell me, Basically, tell, me got, tell me we got a chance. Your intro is like where I load up an old episode, right? So because the intro is all because I couldn't find the intro. And basically, I think two weeks ago, I kept it rolling without realizing, and then you were on around. I don't know. There's a whole thing. It's all good. Hey, we're here. Owen Everyone's Thomas on screen from, today. Yeah. Owen Thomas from Wales is in already. He says, Aloha, coach and the tribe. This is an aloha to everybody out there. Welcome. This is your show, not our show. And I think it's going to be a great show, Michael. We have lined up some amazing guests. And But before we go to that, I got to tell you, I had a blast following calm on his journey his <laughs> exodus his trip whatever you want to call it back to the states and you guys did some great stuff with head, you know photoshopping his head on thing. i mean it was it was funny but it was really really a great deal is he back now and is he resting he landed in dublin airport this morning at 7 a.m at 1 p.m the irish government announced you need to get a COVID test for all for all arrivals so we done well in that sense, but uh, he, he had a he, he had a blast of a weekend. Obviously, a decent game to go to there, and Broncos very host, very hospitable. Host, I can't even say it tonight. I'm not tired. Very generous with her time. He got to uh, meet Steve Atwater, uh, get a picture with one of the. I get to hold up one of the, one of the Lombardi trophies. Now wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Don't diminish what you just said. Steve Atwater. He, he no. I'm not talking about Steve Atwater. That's <laughs> a huge thrill in itself. Hall of Famer. Steve Atwater, but he had the chance to touch a Lombardi trophy. Now, I don't know how many guys in Ireland have ever done that, but it can't <laughs> be very many. And Calm got the chance to touch the Lombardi trophy. What a amazing, amazing opportunity. And really a big mahalo to uh, the Denver Broncos for giving Calm that opportunity. And hopefully, Jeff, me and you will get to do that someday in L.A. or it's like I told you, I just, I got a, I got a congratulations note from a friend of mine who has been in the NFL. He's been with Chicago. He's been with the Rams. He's been with the Bills. He's been with the Dolphins. He's been with the Jets. He's been, he's a longtime NFL guy. And he sent me a congratulations uh, voicemail today about our, our win in the semifinal and wished us good luck in the final. He said, uh, we're going to Kansas City for a big one this weekend on Sunday. And I thought to myself, I didn't even know he was with the with the Broncos. So we got a little in at the Broncos now, man. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get some insider information. Who knows? Who knows? We've got a bit of well, I was gonna say we've we've got an insider coming up as our first guest. You've got a stock show today. Uh got a guy from PFN on the second. You've got 49er Faithful on. Obviously, the whole Jimmy G thing. Like, I mean, what's going on there, Jeff? Uh, and then another great guest after, but obviously, yeah, congrats on the weekend. Delighted for you. Uh, you're one game away from the big time, Jeff. Are you yeah, gonna fly me won. over for the great cup final? Is that, is that the plan? Well, yeah, hey, listen, if you come over here on full scholarship, I'm telling you, full scholarship, nothing, but you better be double vaccinated or you can't get in the stadium. I'm triple vaccinated, so it's all good. <laughs> I just don't know how I'm gonna get home. Like, I mean, it's just work and stuff. You may not get back in your own country. You know, you mentioned about our third guest, and our third guest is, is, uh, Coach Jeff Jagosinski, who's been on our show before, but he's going to talk about uh, that amazing, amazing performance by Aaron Rodgers and give us kind of a Packers update. And then we're going to talk about some of the skinny going around with these multi-million dollar college football hirings and firings in the last week. So it's it's a it's a it's going to be a lot of fun. But let's get to Ollie right away. What do you say? Let's do it. And yeah, I am not going for the head coaching position at Notre Dame. Just want to put that out there. Let's bring the first guest. Hey, our first guest is Ali Hodgkinson from Pro Football Network and is a big time NFL fan, also a huge college football fan. And we're going to talk about both those two things. But Ali, welcome to the show. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Uh, good luck for Sunday before we start. I appreciate that, my man. But hey, um, you know, as we have guests on the show, because everybody's football journey is a little bit different, whether you're a fan, a coach, a player, it doesn't matter. It's it's all the same, right? We all love the game. And you were talking about your journey, personal journey as a Dolphins fan, but also about Pro Football Network, because you guys have blown up, dog. Yeah, I mean, I, let me just set the record straight. I'm not a Dolphins fan myself. P- PFN was, uh, and, and I, I'm a New England Patriots fan, so this puts me in. Oh, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Now, are you Simon Peter? I will deny you three times. I'll deny you. Is that one of those deals? Are you a Dolphins fan? I just said, I've had enough. I got to I gotta follow the world. No, I've, I've been a Patriots fan for much since I started following the game. Pro Football Network was founded by uh, a trio of Dolphins fans. Um, so I'm kind of a little bit of an outsider, I guess. It's a bit of a um, bit of a sore point. Uh, the, the token, well, it's two, two of us, two Patriots fans within Pro Football Network. But yeah, the, the company was formed by some Miami Dolphins fans who, who were kind of well-known in the Miami Dolphins media landscape through various different fan sites and, and kind of had enough of, um, well, watching the Dolphins, as, as everyone can appreciate, is a difficult business. So they'd had enough of focusing just on Miami. They wanted to, to cover the whole um, whole of the NFL, and, and that's what they went out and did. And and it started as a small company, just three guys, and it got bigger and bigger with guys volunteering to ride. That's how I started there, and, and it's grown and grown and grown now to where you know, we've got guys like Trey Wingo working with us. We've got guys like Adam Beasley, who left the Miami Herald to come and work for Pro Football Network. There's a, a team of 30 full-time staff, and, and we cover the NFL, we cover college football, and we cover the NFL draft as extensively as possible across Canada, America, and the UK. We've got staff based all, all over the world across the pond. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You just, you know, they, they say the thing, don't poke the bear, Right. You have poked the bear because we have a great Bears fan. I mean, one of the we got some really good Bears fans on that are in, on in the tribe and watch every show. But Bearlissimo is one of those, and he just he just hit hit us with. He called you a glory hunter because you're. <laughs> okay, so let me so let me set the record straight. I get this a lot. Um, well, I when I started following the sport um, 10, 12 years ago, it was in the dry spell in between Super Bowl runs and the Patriots. And I didn't know that the Patriots had been as successful previously as they had. My brother got me into American football. I had no idea about the sport. I I couldn't tell you a thing about it. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the rules. didn't understand all the stop start. And my, my brother sat me down and we watched a couple of games. And as you do in this country, played some Madden and got familiar with the rules and and once I figured it out and got into all the so, so much of the schematic and um, all the, all those sort of things are, are that, that makes the NFL so so brilliant. And once you start understanding that and you figure out the chess game that is the NFL, I was yeah I was blown away by it. But the, the Patriots were the first team that I watched. Uh, Baltimore Ravens and New England Patriots. Um, Joe Flacco was the quarterback. I'm going to anger some Ravens fans now. So Joe Flacco was the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. And and I was, I don't know, I took a dislike to this guy. So I wanted the Patriots to win the game. Um, I'm a big, culturally, I love everything to do with Boston. Dropkick Murphy is one of my favorite bands. And just all tied together to be a New England Patriots fan. And then I found out they'd been super successful. They went on to be super success, successful again whilst I was a fan. And, yeah, you get called the glory supporter a lot, but um, there, there's some there's some true um, meaning behind it without the the glory behind it. All right, put your Pro Football Network hat back on and <laughs> let's talk about that young quarterback in New England. Who now again, analytics are analytics, right? And I only go so far on analytics, but he, in the last, I think four games is the, what I saw. He is playing better statistically better than any other quarterback in the national football league when it comes to you know passer rating pass efficiency those kinds of ratings as a as a analyst and with i'm going to ask you to put two hats on you can put your (laughs) analyst hat on forwards and your patriots hat on backwards but tell us about mac jones tell us about your take on mac jones I think uh, mac jones is the perfect example of why when you're evaluating any prospect, but particularly when you're evaluating quarterback prospects to make that leap to the NFL, 
you can have the strongest arm in the world. You can be the most accurate quarterback. You can be a, an amazing creator with mobility, like we've seen. You know, we're seeing with guys like Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, and um, in the upcoming NFL draft class, guys like Malik Willis and and Louisville have got another guy, Malik Cunningham, who is insane with his legs as a creator. But it doesn't that that matters obviously but the one thing that people don't take into consideration enough when evaluating quarterbacks the potential for quarterback success in the nfl is fit is landing spot and mac jones could not have landed better um for the quarterback that he is he couldn't have landed in a better spot than with the new england patriots and, and you know as an analyst i wasn't super high on mac jones i didn't think he was a first round pick, despite the success he'd had at Alabama. I, I I don't think he was the best quarterback in that class. You know, he was no Trevor Lawrence. He I really like Zach Wilson as he came out of BYU. And um, for some of the reasons that we've touched on there, the mobility, the creation ability, that strong arm that Zach Wilson has. And and I didn't think personally I didn't think that Mac Jones um had those tools and those attributes to to come in and play to the level he has, but he's He's come into the Patriots. He's come in and he's he's landed on his feet with a perfect landing spot for his game. He reads the game so well, and he's he's just playing at such a high level for a rookie that um, that you know is is kind of um, extenuated by um, the the situation that he's in, the landing spot that he's in. Could could Mac Jones have gone into Jacksonville and been the quarterback that he is at the New England Patriots? No, he couldn't. Could Mac Jones have gone into the New York Jets and done a better job than Zach Wilson's doing? Possibly not, you know, but he's fell into the New England Patriots, which is just the ideal landing spot for him. Well, I think you hit, you touched on, Ollie, a really, really critical point is that, you know, everybody talks about Brady and the fact that he fell to the sixth round. And, you know, we, it, we've all seen the pictures of him in his, you know, his shorts at the combine where they do the beauty contest pictures. And he looks like he's got a 50 year old man's body and couldn't, you know, he was this part-time starter at Michigan and the whole story. But as you say, landing spot and the, the, the fit between the program and what they're going to ask of that quarterback and that quarterbacks, not only to me, when you look at him, when you, when you're evaluating a player for professional football, you look at his physical traits and then you look at his attributes. And those are two very different things, right? Physical traits to me are measurable things. How fast he is, how big he is, how well he can jump, all those things. Attributes are those other things that are much harder to measure. And so when the attributes and the, and the physical traits fit the spot, you have a chance for real magic to happen. And you know, you look back at so many of these guys that have crashed and burned and you wonder, you just wonder, would Sam Darnold or would Josh Rosen or would any of the, you know, I won't say hundreds, but any of the tens of guys that have failed out of the National Football League in the last 10 years at that position, would they still be playing and playing at a high level today had they had a better fit? That's one of the great things about the draft is you better go and you want to go to some place that understands you. Because think about this. Sixth rounder, 32 other teams passed on you six times. And the Patriots passed on him five times. So that's that's how the, he's the greatest that's ever played the game. And that's how important fit is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like I say, Mac Jones is – you mentioned guys like Sam Donald and Josh Rosen – you know, you see what Sam Donald's failed to do for Carolina Panthers behind that absolutely abysmal Carolina Panthers offensive line um, this year. If the New England Patriots offensive line had been as abysmal as the Carolina Panthers offensive line's been this year, Mac Jones isn't the quarterback that we're seeing right now either. There's so many things that have to, to fit into place and have to come together perfectly to, to guarantee success straight away in the NFL. All right. Now, we, we talk about college football some. We had a former Georgia All-American Ben Zambiazzi Hall of Famer at the University of Georgia on the show last week. We'll continue to talk about college football as we go through the, you know, the college football playoffs and the bowl season and then look ahead to the draft. But as a guy who loves college football, I know you do love college football, Ali. What has been your college football story of 2021? Oh, 
there's so many. There's so many. You look at, I mean, you referenced Georgia there. Um, I don't think anyone saw Georgia having the level of defensive dominance that they've had this season. Um, just almost almost record-setting. I, I wrote an article a, a few weeks ago about comparing this Georgia defense to the elite units of the past, uh, the Miami Hurricanes units, the FSU units of, of the past. And, and this Georgia unit is up there, you know, and they've got guys, they can rotate guys in in that front seven, in and out and in and out without any drop-off. They're, they're averaging just under seven points a wide a game. It's just, it's just insane. Like, I don't think anyone saw that. So that's one of those great stories. You look at a team like UTSA, a young team who, although they lost to North Texas this last weekend, had gone on this incredible unbeaten run and, and managed to get into the college football playoff top 25, you know, with guys like Sincere McCormick and and uh, Frank Harris and Zachary Franklin. That's a, a team that just have, um, have exceeded expectations. And there's so many of those this year. It's been such a wild season where there's been so many teams that have exceeded expectations and they've done it in such a a breathtaking way, you know. You wake Wake Forest and Pitt, the ACC championship game this weekend. Both who of those teams. Who would have figured Wake Forest and Pitt? Exactly. Well, I tell you, a guy who did one, of, uh, a guy I know, um, AJ Moore. He was straight on Wake Forest from the the start of the season, and I was like, I'm not having any of it. I'm a Boston College fan, and I wasn't having any of this. Wake Forest are going to run the ACC, but hey, look at him, Sam Hartman's garnering attention as a 2022 NFL draft prospect. Um, Wake Forest, have, they've, they've just been sensational. Uh, maybe not so much defensively. You know, we touched on Georgia. Wake Forest certainly haven't been able to achieve those levels of, of defense. But, you know, great story. Pick great story with Kenny Pickett coming back for another year and, and blowing the college football landscape and the NFL draft landscape wide open it's been they, those two guys have been great you look you're a hawaii guy you look at the mountain west utah state who had utah state being in the mountain west conference championship nobody. game this week nobody. nobody they were so bad last season and they've just been an incredible so this this wherever you want to look every conference all the way through from the fbs down to the fcs there's just so many great storylines of this season there really has it's been it's just been amazing. It's just been amazing to watch and, and to, to be able to work and cover this college football season has been just a dream, really. Two of the best jobs in America, Ali, two of the best jobs. If you're a highly successful Division One coach, that's a great job, right? And the second best job, that guy's agent because <laughs> do, you, do you see the money that these guys are making? I mean, we're talking about $12 million deals a year. And that's a million bucks a year. I mean, a week, a month. I mean, I'm so shit blown away by it. When I came into college football long, and this is a long time ago, but you know, division one head coaches that were making a quarter of a million dollars, $250,000, they were, you know, everybody's complaining about how overpaid they are. Now these guys just, they just keep hanging zeros behind the numbers. And you know what? As long as television is what it is, and the, you know, the you see a hundred and ten thousand people, a hundred and ten thousand people in the stadium at Michigan, and then you go forty minutes down the road to East Lansing on the same day at the same time, there's ninety thousand at Michigan State. You recognize just how important college football is in this country. And I think this is the as a as a UK fan of college football and, and the game is the college football game is growing exponentially in this country as well. You know, everyone we get the, the, the NFL games and the NFL's been popular and growing in this country for a long time. But over the last couple of years I feel like the the college game has become increasingly popular as well. But when you when you talk to college people in this country about college football, you try and explain, like you've just said about the the Michigan, one hundred ten thousand, and East, uh, and Michigan State having ninety odd thousand on the same day. You try and explain to someone in this country that there's college kids playing football in front of one hundred ten thousand people. Like that's something really difficult to understand. I think for people over in this country, unless you are a, a fan of the game, it's it's absolutely wild. And you mentioned the money involved with the head coaches as well. I think the craziest thing about that is the amount of money that head coaches can still be earning even after they've done a really bad job. Like I would love to suck at my job and get paid millions of pounds further on down the line. That would be awesome, right? You know, we got some great 
great takes that have come in. Berlissimo says, Mel Tucker had his rep destroyed by Mark Trussman and Emory at the MGM at the Bears. I'm happy he had a chance to go to Colorado and now Michigan State, who've extended him with a big $10 million contract. And beyond that, there's a. this is what people have to understand. There is an agent named Jimmy Sexton. And if you are represented by Jimmy Sexton as a college football coach, you are going to, if you, if you're worth your salt, you're going to get paid. And what's really interesting is that Nick Saban is basically running at Alabama, a coach's rehabilitation clinic, because he gets guys like Tucker and, you know, Bill O'Brien. And, you know, I mean, I can't even off the top of my head, can't tell you, it's gotta be five or six guys, seven guys that have gone there. Steve Sarkeesian, guys that have flamed out other places, rehabs their reputation and then puts them out into, you know, big time jobs. Butch Jones. I mean, all, all kinds of guys. And that's what's available to guys now in college football. There's a there's a it used to be that if you're a college coach, you aspired to the NFL because that's where that's where the attention was. That's where the focus was. That's where the money was. But I'm going to tell you, when you talked to, you know, when we had Ben Zambiazzi on and he talked about life as a Georgia football player, I don't know if it gets any better if you're playing for the Falcons. Now, you're making more money, but I'm, I'm telling you, in terms of how you're looked at and, you know, the, he talked about the Florida-Georgia game and walking off the field at the end of the biggest uh, uh, the biggest cocktail party in the world, which is how they refer to that game, and the you know, $500 handshakes that were going on from boosters, from Georgia boosters as you're coming off the field. So I, I just really think it's amazing, amazing thing. Yeah, they, um, I've spoke to a number of college players as they've come into the NFL draft. And, and when you've played at a big program, like you referenced Georgia, um, we talked about Michigan, um, some of the biggest college football programs with those huge game day atmospheres. The step up to the NFL isn't really that, big and for some of these guys it's a it's a step down in terms of the the stadiums they play in and and i've spoke to guys who played in texas high school football as well and and even at that young age as a high school prospect you know the media glare in texas the the stadiums that they play in it's it's huge it's huge and again you you struggle to really get a grasp on how big that is Uh, we focus so much on the nfl but the football is huge. Football is huge across all levels, across all states, and, and hopefully it's getting across all countries as well. I'm going to tell you one story, and I'm going to let you go. But my son uh, played his junior high football and was on, a, on was ready to go to Highland Park High School in Dallas when I was coaching at SMU. Now, Highland Park is the same program that produced um, some really, really good players, including Matthew Stafford, right? And... Now, this is no word of a lie. I went to his first eighth grade practice. You know how you're a, you're a dad and you don't want to you don't want to go, but you really got to like. So I'm down. I kind of creep because this, the, his junior high was at the end of our street and I kind of creep down the street and I'm hanging behind some bushes as the kids come out to practice. And Ollie, there were two hundred and fifty kids suited up for the first day of eighth grade football. And then. He came home and he said, Dad, um, do we want tickets to Highland Park games on on Friday night? You know, Friday night in Texas, right? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you have to be on a waiting list to get tickets if you want to go. They had a 24,000 seat stadium and you had to be you had a waiting list to get tickets to a game. That's high school football in Texas. And that's 4A. That's not 5A. That's not the big schools. That's the next. That's the step down. I often ask guys who've played at the Texas high school football level, I go, oh, you've, you've seen the Friday Night Lights TV show, you've seen the films, you've seen the TV series. I was like, is that what it's really like playing high, uh, Texas high school football? And without fault, like every guy is like, yeah, that, that is it, that is it, you know? The whole town shuts down, everyone's at the game. You know, it's, it's just it's crazy, absolutely crazy. Well, Ali, it's been a blast having you on the show. Thank you very much for coming on. We're going to get you on again. And I want to continue to talk about college football because I think it's something that's, you know, obviously topical as we go through the playoffs, but then on to the into the draft and kind of your take going forward to the draft because the draft is the second season of the NFL, as you know, and we will we will cover it in depth. So 
appreciate you very much, my man. And, and to, now tell everybody how they can get to what you do at uh, Pro Football Network. Okay, thank you. Now, thank and thank you for having me on, Jeff. And like I said at the start, good luck for Sunday. Um, so you can find uh, Pro Football Network at www.profootballnetwork.com. You can find us on Twitter at pfn365. You can also follow our draft-specific Twitter handle at pfn draft, and we have all the um, all the videos we can find from prospects playing in college football across the the college football weekend, and provide a little bit of analysis and a little bit of tongue-in-cheek analysis as that. Well. Try and keep it a bit of fun as well. Um, and you can find me at OJ Hodgkinson on Twitter. I appreciate you, my man. Thank you very much for being on the show. Cheers, Aloha. Jeff. Thank you. All right. What a great guest, and and a really really interesting. Really some great takes there, Michael. I, um, it's. It was kind of cool to have him on. We're going to have to give it, get him on as we get closer to the draft because the draft is, like I said, the second season in the NFL. But but it is this season right now, and there's a hot team in, there is. There is. in the NFC West, and you better watch out because we're going to talk about them right now. We are. I want to thank everyone for the comments. I have got people. There's people tweeting you as well, Jeff. We'll read it out at the end after your third guest. Obviously, Berlissimo was loving the college football stuff as well. Thank you for that. And we get back to that. Hey, you know what? That's, that brings up a good point, Mike, because we can't in, in an hour hit re, respond to everybody's tweet or take. But if you hit us on Twitter, I will do it after the show yes, sir. this evening or whatever. So, again, please keep the comments coming. Again, great takes by everybody. Berlissimo is on fire today. Fred flunks in, so the whole crew, the tribe is... Do you know what? It's actually better, Jeff. It's actually better than somebody putting it in the screen because then you see it as well after the show. It is. It's good because you get you get the comments in. I think Lee's going to come on from 49er Faithful UK. Tell you what, Jeff, just while we get Lee set up here, I'm going to show you very quickly here. This was 49er Faithful UK had a had a meetup at the weekend for the Vikings game. I think it was in Bristol. We'll get Lee to come on in a second and confirm that. But uh, a big turnout for uh, a big... A big game for them, big win for them. I'm going to go away and I'll bring Lee on, okay? All right. Welcome to uh, one of the biggest 49er fans I know. And I know a number of really big 49er fans, but this guy is, they're no bigger than than this guy right here. Lee Golan from uh, 49 or Faithful UK. And I heard there was a, like a blizzard, winter storm, crazy weather in Bristol. And you guys still still got there and still had your meeting we did indeed so we had a joint meeting with the the vikings uk group obviously it was the uh, 49ers against the vikings on sunday night um two very good teams going up against each other we always knew it was going to be a close game um i i'd actually predicted 34 31 niners before the game so i wasn't too far away from that and the game lived up to all expectations i think everybody enjoyed themselves down there um our, our meetups are generally known for excessive alcohol that is drunk and i think we did okay this time um i drove back yesterday and i actually felt human so that's a result but yeah i am um, i agree i think i think we're the hot team i think we're doing well and i think hopefully it's going to be the old adage of it's not how we start it's how we finish yeah i think i think you're exactly right and i you know you look at Pro football, and I don't care whether it's, uh, you know, an 18-game CFL season or a 17-game NFL season, it is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And, you know, the Patriots have done a great job historically of using the first quarter of the season to really find out who you are, who your players are, what they do well and all of that, and then use the back half of the season to really make a push for the playoffs. Um, so... I agree. I think that the 49ers are a team that is to be reckoned with and to be watched very closely as we go forward. So I think you've, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Jeff. So the first the first six, seven games of the season, watching it from a 49er fan perspective, we knew there was something wrong. There just looked something wrong with the team. Even in the first two games, which we were winning, something seemed off. Um, there was a lot of stop-start stop on the, uh, the offense, the defense just seemed to be confused about what was happening. And I think as the season's grown along, we found our identity on both sides of the ball. The the offense is doing what we did back in 2019. We're controlling the clock, we're running the ball, and it's working. On the defense, Demeco Ryans, who's who's a rookie coordinator, 
he seems to have found what style he wants to play. And now it looks like a coordinated unit on defence. And we're doing really well. So we have grown into the season as it's gone. And I think potentially the first two wins of the season against Detroit and the Eagles actually hid some of the issues that were there on the team. So it set expectations high for 49er fans. And then we were brought back down to earth with the defeats against the Packers, the Seahawks, the Cardinals in Arizona, even though those were quite quite close games and they could have swung either way. Um, it came to a head after our bye week when we were absolutely humiliated by the Colts. Um, and I think from then on, we, we, we've kicked on a bit. We had the blip against the Cardinals at Levi's, which, to be honest, was a bit embarrassing. But the last three games, we just looked a completely different team. Well, I, I think, you know, when you when you look at the 49ers, that there is a term that we as coaches use, and every once in a while you hear a media guy use it because it's, quote, the, you know, it's coach, it's coach speak. I don't think they even know what it means, but it's it's a it's a term that is really, really, when I think about the 49ers, right, when I think about the 49ers, I think they have found a way to play what we describe in coaching as complementary football where the three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams, play as one, where they play to complement the other. Uh, and it, this is this is my point. You go back to the game that they won a couple weeks ago, where, where Jimmy G threw the ball 19 times in a football game. This is 2021. This isn't 1977. Yeah. This is 2021. And usually quarterbacks are throwing 21 times or 19 times in a half, right? Minimum, but the 49ers have figured out, and this is coaching. I really believe this is coaching and management and organization that it's not about somebody's ego. It's not about a coordinator getting the next job. It's not about, it's about us winning football games. And so they mitigate their challenges and Jimmy can be a challenge at times, turning the ball over and, you know, decision-making and those things. They went to their strengths. They have a tremendous offensive line and can pound the football. And you got in use check, you got a really unique guy. And you take take into consider consideration that Kittle, in my mind, is the best all-around tight end in the National Football League right now. I'll and agree so with you, that. you feature what you do well, take the pressure off your quarterback. Take the pressure off your defense, young defensive coordinator who's finding his way, right? And then your special teams plays, again, same thing, complementary football. And that's how you win games. Too many times I see, as I watch pro football league, too many times I see evidence of where a coordinator, young coordinator, you know, he's more concerned about how do I become a head coach Right. How do I how do I get my name out there? How do I you know, I want my shine. You know, Coach Vermeil used to say it like this, and I thought it was really, really good. If you want credit, go to the bank. Right. And, you know, when you win a championship, there's credit enough for everybody. Now, I'm not saying the 49ers are going to a championship, but I give Kyle credit and I give the organization Lynch and John, John Lynch and all those guys credit that they have figured it out that that's, what, that's the way they have a chance to win football games. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree with that. And I, th I think Kyle has come out and said something very similar this week. Um, so at the start of the season, I think the, the stuttering offense was because he's trying to play to do two different styles. Obviously, we spent those two draft picks on Trey Lance. Trey Lance has come in. And he was trying to mix trail Lance into every game, and it, it just didn't work. And there was no, there was no fluid there. The, the game was not fluid, and you could see that. And I think he's decided that well, actually, let, let's stick with Jimmy and let's just develop Trey in the background, and I'll just game plan for Jimmy. And, and you can see that's working now. And as far as Jimmy's concerned, I, I think I've seen progress in him over the last couple of weeks. So Jimmy's always had a very quick release. He can make the easy throws, but some of the tight windows he, he's been horrendous at. That, that's where you get a lot of his turnovers. And Sunday's game is a perfect example where he was fitting the ball at the tight windows. He was making decisions. He had the quick release, and he, he was threading the needle. And to me, I haven't really seen Jimmy do very much of that at all over the last four seasons when he's been with the 49ers. So he, even though he's 
season eight in his career, I can actually see some progression this season, which I'm quite surprised about, obviously happy about that. Um, he has come on and he, he's playing a lot better now. He d definitely played a lot better on Sunday than what I saw him playing 2019 in the Super Bowl run. Oh, okay, now, let's say I was at a meeting of, you know, the faithful, right? And I asked them collectively, right? Yeah. What the early, and this is way too early, but you know, as fans, how we are, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make decisions way too early. What's what's the way too early evaluation of Trey Lance? I I think most most of the fan base realize he's not ready yet. He's not ready to be a starting quarterback. He only played one season in college. He hasn't really played, other than the Cardinals game in Arizona this year, he hasn't really played a competitive game in two seasons. I think he needs to sit and learn, and I think we've got the luxury of having a quarterback where we don't need to throw him in there. Um, I, I remember Alex Smith coming in. He came in game six, and that was it. He, he was starter from game six onwards in his rookie season. And then he had seven different coordinators, and that didn't work out very well for anyone. So I am quite happy for him to sit. I think it's too early to start Trey Lance this season. I think we ride with Jimmy. I think next season is going to be a completely different uh, question because it's not going to come down to skill set or what Trey can add. It's going to come down to Jimmy's contract. Can we afford to keep Jimmy's contract and have Trey there? Because next season, we're going to have a lot of uh, gaps, definitely a defensive back. A lot of guys are on one-year contracts. So the easiest thing to do is have a look at Jimmy's 28 million that he's getting next year. We've just spent two first-round picks on Trey Lance. He's had a season to sit behind Jimmy, learn the playbook, and actually get used to the speed of the game. So I think this season's too early. Next season, gloves are off, and let's go for it. Okay, I, 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 I like it. I like that take. That's a hot take. I like it. That comes directly from... Uh, Lee Gowland of the faithful in the UK. Now, we play this game a lot of times, Lee, with guests that we have on the show, and I want to do it with you. Um, it's And I know you. I didn't warn you about it, so this is going to be all right off the cuff, which, is give, which means I know you're going to give me the best answers that you can give me. If Do you know what Mount Rushmore is? Do you, have you ever yeah. heard of Mount Rushmore? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, for, for those who are listening who may not know what Mount Rushmore is, it's a it's a carving that was done on a mountain in South Dakota of, you know, significant U.S. presidents. Right. And I believe there's four or five up there. So I'm going to I'm going to go with this with you and I'm going to say we're now going to go to the White Cliffs of Dover and we're going to carve out a Mount Rushmore of 49ers and they can come they can be players coaches administrators owners anything the five most significant 49ers in your opinion joe montana jerry rice ronnie lott steve young you got one plot you got one spot left i have yeah and that's a difficult spot It's got to be Dwight Clark. It's got to be Dwight Clark. Uh, I, hey, I tell you what, they're all champions, multiple champions, all Super yeah. Bowl winners, all amazing. But you know what surprises me, Lee, is that Bill Walsh didn't make the Bill Walsh didn't make the White Cliffs of Dover. So I was thinking from a player perspective only. Okay, now. Last, last thing we're going to do, and then we're going to let you go. And, and again, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been a great guest. Is uh, We play this little game. It's a word association game. I name a I, – I give you – I blurt something out, and then you blurt back to me without thinking the first things that come to your mind. All right? I hope you've got a beeper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's start with this one. Joe Montana. The catch. Bill Walsh. We will not be out hit this season. My buddy, Jesse Sapolu. <sighs> I 
Oh, I've got nothing for you on that one. Okay, I, I so let's go on, and I'll give you another one. Roger Craig. Hi, Stepper. <laughs> All right. Um, the Dallas Cowboys. So have you, you haven't got a beaver going. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I just absolutely hate the Dallas Cowboys. Um, copycat. Okay, that's awesome because when I, I I threw that Cowboys in there because those Cowboy 49er rivalries yeah. have been legendary over time. I was going to use the Raiders, but the Raiders not being in in the Bay Area anymore, I can't use them because that used to be a huge rivalry too. Hey, Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem, it was awesome yeah. having you. When is the next, uh, for all Niners fans in the UK, when is the next faithful meetup? So hopefully it's going to be the Super Bowl. So two seasons ago, we decided to have an annual meetup for the Super Bowl, um, an informal meetup up in Newcastle. We tend to do an in-season meetup uh, once a year, and we move that around the country. This year it was at Bristol. We've been to Manchester a couple of times. We've been to Birmingham. We've been to Edinburgh. We've been to London for the International Series Games. And Newcastle is our annual Super Bowl meetup. Um, next year, we're looking at Dublin and potentially the year after Germany. Well, I'll tell you what, when you when I get back to Sky and I'm back in the UK, if yeah. you guys are having a meetup, let me know and I will definitely show up because I, I would love to be around any any group of fans that is so loyal that you would go through the weather that you went through last week to get to Bristol to meet up. I got to meet those guys. So again, we'll thank you. you Jeff. Thank you very much, Lee. It was awesome, have, awesome having you on Coffee with Coach. No problem. Thanks a lot, Jeff. All right, brother. Thank you. All right, that was Lee uh, Gowland from the 49er Faithful UK. And, man, you talk about some guys that love their football team. They are deep, deep, deep into the 49ers. Thank you, Lee. I've seen Lee saying, there, saying cheers to you as well, Coach. And thanks. That was good. Good crack. I love that 49ers jersey. That is a classy looking jersey. You're talking about guys who love football. You've got another guy here who loves football. I don't think he needs an introduction, Jeff. So I might just. I'm going to give him an introduction because I love for my guy to get his props because he is a. <laughs> you talk about a football guy, and he is one of the best coaches I've ever been around. And I've had an opportunity to work with him on a couple of occasions. Uh, he's an offensive line coach who knows way more than just offensive line. He's been a head coach in college football, he's been a coordinator in the National Football League. He is a great guy and a great football coach, and I'd like to welcome back to the show. And we're trying. I, I might just make him a. I might just make him a permanent member of the staff here at Coffee and Coach. <laughs> you need to do that, Jeff Jagosinski. Welcome back, Jags. How you doing? Hey, Jeff. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm I'm awesome. But you know what, my man? Here's the thing that's shocking me. Right, dudes like us with with, with gray in our beards. Yep. Where were those paydays that they're giving the college coaches now when we were doing that gig? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Nine, ten million dollars to coach a college football team is unheard of. That's, that's I mean, unbelievable. Jags, I was shocked. They talked how they talked about how LSU and LSU's got a I mean, LSU has a big, big, big treasure chest that they can pull money out of. But when they were talking about getting Lincoln Riley, and that was the speculation last week, on a $12 million deal. Jax, I'm not a math guy, right? But that's a million bucks a month. <laughs> I just, I, can you imagine that? I, I, I'm like, what? And you know what we are, Jeff, really? We're high-priced gym teachers. <laughs> just think about what we do, right? <laughs> Hey, wait a but second. You know, a million dollars Dude, a month. Can't, don't, use, don't do that on the show because the, the people are going to start believing it and these guys ain't going to make that kind of money. So I'm all for hey, I'm all for the money. I just keep I keep waiting for the trickle down to come. Oh, I know it. I know it. And and even back shoot 10 years ago or so, even more than that, money was good. It was still good. It was seven figures. You know, and that's that was unbelievable back then. And and just I mean, coordinators a couple of years ago weren't seven figures now they're sitting there two million dollars for being a coordinator in florida yeah hey now i want to i want to 
go down this road with you, Jags, uh, because you know Bob Stoops. You've worked with Bob Stoops. Obviously, you worked with Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Yep. Now, Bob's going to go back and try and be kind of, as I understand it, and maybe you know better, but as I understand, he's going to kind of like be the bridge guy between Lincoln Riley leaving and going to SC and and whoever they hire in new. Do you think there's any chance that Stoops will want that job full-time once he gets in there and starts to get his, you know, that taste of it again? I, I would wish he would, Jeff. <laughs> I would wish you'd want to do Because you know an offensive line coach, he could call right away. <laughs> exactly, right? But I, I think, you know, in fact, I've got a friend of mine, and we were talking about it, and, you know, his son is going to be a senior in college, you know, I mean, at Oklahoma, playing wide receiver there. And, you know, one of the reasons Bob got out of it was he wanted to see his kid play. Right. And he might be able to coach his kid his senior year. So – you know what I mean? I think, and who knows? I mean, who knows? You speculate what what other coaches want to do and what their what their aspirations are. I mean, Bob doesn't need to do it for he doesn't need to. I wish he would though. I mean, he's, I think he's really good for college football. I think, especially with the older guys, Jeff, the thing that that gets them is the recruiting. Just the it's time, just, the grind, the, the time, grind, away, the, the time of it all. Right, right. Because you know how it is. Yep, I mean, now true. and. Not only that, Jeff, things have changed by the portal system. Yeah. I mean, a kid doesn't like like you. He doesn't like what's happening, the playing time. He's gone. And yeah. you don't have anything. To, and you've been spending time developing these kids. And all of a sudden, the kid from the, the running back, I don't know his name, from Michigan State, he was at, I think, Wake Forest. Right. And all of a sudden, he becomes one of the leading rushers in the country. And, you know, Mel got a bunch of those kids to come and all of a sudden turned turned his program around. And, you know, he just got paid a lot, you know, team transfers, Jags. Well, that's what I'm saying. Could you I mean, that would be like that would be like getting during the free agency period, being able to get all those guys to change the face of your football team. And it doesn't take 18. I mean, you need to change the change the your team you need a couple defensive dominant guys maybe a three technique a rush end a big time safety and if you have a quarterback which is what kentucky got kentucky right. got the quarterback kentucky got the quarterback from penn state and yep. you know all of a sudden that team looks totally different at kentucky well you hit on a you hit on one right there because i don't think people realize that joe burrow right Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengal Joe Burrow, was a backup at Ohio State, wasn't getting to play, transferred to LSU, and the next thing you know, he takes LSU to a national championship, is the first player picked in the draft, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's how the transfer portal has changed college football. Again, so, yeah, so just, you know, talking about how this conversation started, you get a guy, an older guy, that hasn't done that, and all of a sudden you get guys leaving and I don't know, it might be a little bit difficult to deal with, with some of that, you know, it just depends. I, you know, Bob Stoops is about as good a guy as I've ever, I've ever coached with, been around. I mean, he, he, the way he manages the team. When we got to Dallas with the Renegades, I was really interested in what does he do in front of a team? How does he do with the staff and that? And I was really, really impressed. That's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to work for him. I wanted to see go, what does this guy do? What does it look like? And I know he's got great players at Oklahoma, but you still have to manage all those personalities, you know, and manage those coaches. And he did a phenomenal job. He's you know, Jack, I listened to his press conference and this shocked me. I mean, this uh -huh. shocked me because, you know, guys our age remember Oklahoma of Barry Switzer and yep. a half a hundred every weekend. And, you know, Jamal Holloway and, you know, the whole deal, right? Great ones. Yeah. They were dominant, dominant football team. Bob talked yesterday in his press conference about when he took over at Oklahoma. They had, had not had a winning season in four years. They had not gone to a bowl game, which I can't even fathom at Oklahoma. Right. But within two years, they were 13-0 and won a national championship. Right. And, what, and he was he trying, what he was trying to do was be proactive in trying to keep the kids in they're in the program in the program. Right. And, at, and in Oklahoma, there's not – there's, it's not like Ohio, Florida, Texas, as far as like the numbers of kids available. 
I, I would, I, I, I to venture to guess, I don't, I don't know how many like division one power five players there are in the state of Oklahoma. I don't know, but I, I don't, it's not like, it's not like Texas. It's certainly not California or Texas no. or Florida. Like you say, they just don't have the population base. Let's, let's change gears. Okay. Jags, and let's talk a little bit about a team that you know very well. You're a, you're a Packer uh, coach. You, you, were there when both Aaron Rodgers and uh, that other quarterback? What's that guy's what number four? I can't. Yeah, he was a good one. Um, yeah, he's a pretty good little quarterback there. But, yeah, Marv. Uh, yeah, that's the guy. But yeah. hey, I thought that the performance that Aaron Rodgers put on the other night was absolutely brilliant. Now you're talking about a guy who, you know, obviously he's got a big problem with his toe and that's your throwing platform and all that which you understand about a quarterback didn't practice not one snap all week and went out and performed at the level he performed are you surprised by that at all because you've been in the locker room with him you've yeah. been in the meeting with him you coached him no I'm not I'm not and the thing is, you don't know, like as a coach you always go hey look if you don't practice well you're not going to play well there's been a few guys, there's been a few guys that have been around. Favre was like that. Because a lot of times, I mean, Favre was so beat up during the week. I mean, he never missed a game, but he wouldn't practice. Charles Woodson wouldn't have to practice. And those lights came on. Charles, we need a punt return. Phenomenal. I just see that he was inducted into the ring of honor at Lambeau Field last week, which he's one of the best players I've ever been around. And, and then Aaron, you know, and hey, I hadn't practiced and and light it up like that, you know, and you saw that the receiver started getting involved again, right? Like you had Cobb and um, who's the other kid? 17. Um, ah, and he's one of the best, best receivers in the league, but, and then they got to AJ Dillon, the running back from Boston college, who's just a hammer, a hammer. And he's playing really at a high level right now. So, with saying that, you know, if you don't have a quarterback, Jeff, I don't care what league you're in, what level you're on. If you don't have that guy, man, you're just going to struggle. And I think I said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking, without him, I think they're a nine and seven football team. I just you know, do. It's interesting, you know, how competitive these guys are, Jeff, yeah. because Devontae Adams, who's the number 17 that, that you were talking that's about. That's it. That's uh, it. After the game, OBJ wanted to trade jerseys with him, right? And everybody knows that there was some conversation between OBJ and the Packers and all this about going to Green Bay and being that other weapon on the other side of Devontae Adams. And Devontae was kind of trying to help recruit him. And Devontae's response was, no, I'm not giving you my jersey. Go get Cooper Cup's jersey. You want to be with him? Get Cooper Cup's jersey. Right. So that's, that's an indication of how ultra-competitive these guys are and you have to be to yeah. play at the level these guys play yeah and, and those guys and you know just a couple uh like uh stories you know Favre just this this just started talking about Brett this one came to mind because they were watching Michael Strahan got inducted right they retired his jersey up in the Giants and one of the things they showed on here was him getting the sack to get the leading the field yeah. of all time when you when you look at that, the line coach Larry Bechtel's line coach was livid because he thought Favre laid it down <laughs> to get that sack, right? <laughs> and when you when you watch it, and I remember Larry coming in at, after the game and just livid, right? Because you know he gave up a sack. But when you watch it, I mean, I don't know. It, it just I remember that like it was yesterday. I, when I saw that, I just started to laugh. I said. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, I, I really think that that's part of, you know, we were just talking with a guy that does the evaluates the draft and we're talking about, you know, their um, traits and their attributes. Traits are the physical measurables and attributes are those things like competitiveness and toughness and heart and all that stuff. And I think when you look at coaches, you have to look at the same thing. And one of the traits or attributes that most coaches have is they are incredibly competitive. And I don't care if it's checkers or, you know, drinking beer or yep. playing football. They, you know, they they want to win at everything. Right. And even like, you know, like the spring league, you and I coached in. Super competitive. 
Guys yeah. yelling across, yelling across the field. Guys right? breaking the, breaking the rules in the the old Al Davis. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> hey, they're bringing six, right? Remember, they're bringing six. You can't play cover zero, and you know, uh, and after the game, there was a, a kerfuffle in the uh, in the tunnel. <laughs> hey, I, we were almost trading hands in the tunnel. I mean, it was like this is this is a spring league. I know it, and I you know, and I just look back. I heard everyone rumbling and all that, and I said, "Holy cow, I'm getting out of here!" <laughs> hey, listen, man. As always, it's really, really a blast to have you on the show. Oh, we're Jeff, gonna, you're the best. We're going to do this on a regular basis because I think, I think, you know, for me personally, having you on the show, Jags, is a is an awesome thing, and I'm I'm sure for the listeners and the viewers to have a guy with your experience, your expertise, and oh, all you bring, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Let's do that, Jeff. I, I, you know, and you know how I feel about you. I think you're one of the best football coaches I've been around too. And people don't know it because they're not in the meeting rooms and they don't listen how you relate to football players and the players. You're as good of guy at that as I've been around. I mean, you really are. I mean, especially as a special teams coach, you're coaching all of them. Yeah. You have every you know what? You know what, Jags? I still, I still hold out this hope, right? As we, as we become lions in when in the winter. Right. I still hold, hold out. To, just give me one more shot and I want to do it with you because yeah. it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it will be, Jeff. And I tell you what, the thing is about coaching and, and the profession, it's all about the relationships that you had with guys. And and that's the fun part of coaching. That's the one thing that I when I'm not doing it, I really miss is just being around the guys and the players. That's yep. the fun part. So, yeah, exactly. Right. Thanks for having yeah. me on, Jeff. Listen, my brother, we'll get you on again next week. Been Sounds awesome. good. All right. Have a good Aloha. one. Take hey, care. good luck this week. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that, Jagsy. All right. See ya. All right, that's Jeff Jagosinski, ex-Packers, Falcons, Tampa Bay Bucks, and Boston College head coach. One of the really good guys I know in coaching and a great, great football coach. Michael, it has been an unbelievably fast hour, my man. It has, man. It has. Uh, I want to. I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you got a game this weekend. Just very quickly, can we? I know there's been loads of comments. I know you've replied to them on Twitter and stuff. Marlissimo, Fred Flug, everyone's commenting on, on YouTube, and it's 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 a few, a few interesting shots on YouTube there as well. Thanks for joining in, lads. You've got absolutely brickloads of notifications, Jeff. Shout out to everyone who's watched that. Mark well, Jones, I, yes, listen, Jordan. I'm, I'm serious about this because hmm. you know this this thing began on the porch of my brother's house on Kauai, and it's grown into what it's becoming. And you know we're committed to the fans, the, the people who love football, and it could be NFL football, college football, doesn't matter. And if you care enough to send a, a tweet or a take or a message, we will certainly follow up on it because, again, this is not here for you and me. It's it's here for the fans. Five points, one word answer, 30 seconds, and we get out of here, right? Uh, this weekend. Bengals Chargers. Well, I tell you what, the Bengals are one word answer. <laughs> Bengals are a hot football team right now, but I'm saying the Chargers. Okay. Raiders, Washington. The Raiders. All right, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Uh, <laughs> Seahawks. I'm not, you know, I'm not even gonna ask about Seahawks Niners because Seattle have done everybody. Seahawks over. are in deep trouble. Deep cojones. Two big games, and this is two late nights, Jeff. Who the hell thought this is a good idea? Chiefs, Broncos, Sunday Night Football, NBC are laughing. They flexed that game last week for the crack. Who have you got? You know, I, I'm going to tell you something. The Broncos are going to give the Chiefs all that they, they got. I just don't know if the Broncos have enough offense against the Chiefs. Chiefs are starting to figure out how to play defense. So I'm going to take the Chiefs in a close one, even though, even though it, it's, it's an old school rivalry, this one. 11 games. The Chiefs have won the road our head against the Broncos. I'm giving my pick away at the weekend. Bills, Patriots, Jeffrey. Patriots. Monday Night Football. I, 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 I think the Patriots right now are playing the best football in the National Football League. Oof, I, I, I need to sit down and think about it. This is a big, big week. It's some really, really good games. There. Obviously, those games are in Sky as well. You're on BT at 5.30 on Sunday. The very, very best to look. Uh, you're one game away from the big shot. So... Uh, Wishing you all the best, Jeff. And uh, as always, thanks a million, man, for letting me hey, be part of this. It's thank you very much for coming and be a part of this thing, Michael. It's you make it magic. I appreciate you. And everyone watching, see you next week, Jeff. Yeah, see you next Tuesday. All right. Aloha. Aloha.